Are we ready? Let's party. Hi, this is Rachel. Hey, this is Spencer. And this is Neon Boots, the 90s country music podcast. And today we have a special guest, Kim Register. Hi, Kim. Hi. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Kim has a band, Lowlands, who um, will have an album coming out soon. And they're also the head honcho at the Pinhook. Is that a good description of what you do there? I, I don't know if that's my official title, okay. but that is something on that a one, card. one could call me that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And we talk about the pinhook a lot. I feel like that gets I feel like Rachel's a lot. already made plans for a lot of things that are going to happen. Oh, yeah. Neon boots related, the mm-hmm. pinhook. Oh, that, great. I can't wait to find out. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure they're on the, sure they're on the calendar already. Yeah, we'll get <laughs> they're definitely not on mine, so. I'll just give you the password. We've, um, well, the greatest karaoke in the triangle is at the pinhook. Hook. I mean, hands down. Obviously. Um, <laughs> and so we've talked about doing a 90s country music night. Oh my gosh. Slash really? also a costume party, right? Slash also Is this a costume coinciding party. with it a Halloween be. party? Sure. We also have pitched a Halloween party where you dress like your favorite 90s country musician. That's great. We just want a lot of mustaches and mullets. I mean, who doesn't, yeah. really? And a lot of dollies. I mean, at the pinhook especially, I feel like it would be okay to see a bunch of mustaches and mullets. I mean, yeah. I don't, sometimes see context a lot of is... anyway <laughs> yeah. there. It's probably, sometimes space really makes mustaches and mullets okay. <laughs> we'll officially get on the calendar eventually. Just, oh, I can't wait. We have been talking about yeah, that. Just tell, me, just tell me when you're planning on doing it. We'll yeah, it yeah, we're sure you have this hold for the month of October. Yeah. So, you know. Honestly, half a karaoke is 90s country anyway. Mm-hmm. I swear, if I hear it, let's give them some to talk about one more time yes i will be happier (laughs) (laughs) we have talked about how like easy 90s country music is to do karaoke because like the lyrics are very predictable Mm -hmm. the melodies are fairly simple we went on a whole tangent with phil cook about karaoke oh yeah he shared with us that he actually is not very comfortable doing karaoke so that is also a motivator for having it at the pinhook so that we can kind of force him to come and karaoke but, with I don't believe that well, one bit. I bet well, he is such a ham. I, I didn't either, but apparently he started a fight to Randy Travis's Three Wooden Crosses at a bar in, like, what, South what Dakota? Song? No, come on. <laughs> so, you know, if he can start a fight with that song as the background music, then I mean, knows? that song is, I remember that story because I remember them all coming back from Megafon Tour and yeah. telling us about this, like, really terrible night they had at karaoke, and I'm like... Y'all, like, just seeing Joe Westerlin get up there yeah. and just doing his Grandma Sparrow dance or whatever. Three Wooden Cross is also talking about, like, you know, it's okay to be a whore. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Which it just, is. Just put it out there, but... though. Oh, <laughs> that was a fun episode. So, Phil was interesting, of course, because growing up in Wisconsin, he did not have the same kind of exposure to 90s country as, like, Spencer and I, who were... I grew up in the upstate of South Carolina. Spencer's from Harnett County, North Carolina. And you're from around these parts, right? Yeah, my grandma grew up on Gear Street in a trailer. I mean, I remember sitting on her, like, shag brown rug and listening to Randy Travis. And I remember her being like, damn, he's beautiful. (laughs) And I just remember, like, looking. She had, like, a picture of him by the, like, stereo, the tape deck. And I remember looking at him and being like, that guy. That's, <laughs> That's who my grandma beautiful. thinks is beautiful. <laughs> I mean, his hair was definitely did, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, there are worse-looking guys. Also, beauty, you know, in the eye. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But, I mean, if you take into consideration his voice, like, you could totally fall in love with his voice first and be like, 
Hey, it's not that bad to look at, as long as I can listen to Well, him. I mean, how many hair metal singers Ugh. of the 80s <laughs> modeled their cut after? <laughs> well, I mean, that, but then also just like, when you looked at them, I was like, oh, okay, like, but they had plenty of fans that... Ladies backstage right, with them. Yeah, yeah. so... I mean, also just that hair. He did so much work on his hair. Mm-hmm. I think that's. I remember when I'm looking at the picture in my brain and my kid brain. I was kind. Of, maybe I was kind of gender fucked too. I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, what is that?" <laughs> you know, which is awesome. And maybe he had no idea. Yeah, maybe that's my root. <laughs> that's, that's where it all started, right there. I think that Lomeland stuff and some of your previous music projects all lean kind of country folkish. Does that? Have a lot to do with you growing up with Randy Travis on your grandmother's wall. <laughs> or velvet pictures or in velvet, general. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. I think I really, my first guitar I got was a knockoff Stratocaster and it was electric and I was like, I'm going to play like Green Day. Oh, yeah. Like, that was my jam. <laughs> Which I don't know if I've ever told anyone at all. It's recorded now. It's Great. official. I just came out and it was so brilliant. It made me feel so good. And then the chords are just too hard. Yeah. So like, Fuck. I can't do that G or that C. No, I just remember I couldn't play anywhere but my room, and that was annoying. So like mm-hmm. I got an acoustic guitar, and my granddad gave it to me, and he played the Grand Old Opry. Oh, cool! But like once or twice, like mm-hmm. he was just some amazing like vacuum salesman musician that got right. out there and played. And, yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah, so I think I just started getting excited about that. Then I met my friend Catherine, mm-hmm. who's like parents. I was like, what is this family? Can I be here? Because <laughs> they would just like play on the porch. Yeah. And I was like, you can do this and not talk to each other? Mm-hmm. This is sick. <laughs> so um, I just started playing with them. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Do you have other recollections post-Randy Travis of uh, 90s country making its way into your life at any point, positive or negative? Yeah, totally. It was the only station that my parents listened to. I remember that. And I just, it sounded, it was just so fun to sing as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I remember Bonnie Raitt, like that, I have her tattooed on my arm. Mm-hmm. And I remember her, like, let's give them something to talk about. God, I don't know, all of Reba McIntyre stuff that was like dramatic, but also like powerful. And I was mm-hmm. like, that sad woman's angry. I love it. You know, like uh, she's one of the patron saints of this podcast. I Reba saw. Yeah. I was going to pick a couple. I was going to talk about fancy. Oh, because we've done it. I know because I love Bobby Gentry. Oh, yes. Like more than almost mm-hmm. any singer. Mm-hmm. Like I have the 33 and a third, the little book that yeah. talks oh, yeah. about. Yeah. God, Bobby Gentry is so good. Anyway, 90s country ruled. My first karaoke song actually was Brooks and Dunn. Shit. What is that? Uh, what's the jam? There's a lot. There's Boots, so Coon, Boogie. Boots, Coon, Boogie. That was my first yeah. one. With some girl that I totally had a crush on, but I didn't know what that feeling was. You know? <laughs> and we were like, out here in the country, passing, <laughs> just fucking jamming. It was so cool. I had a tape of it for so long. You know. Well, so we all pick different songs as we always do, and this is not a good transition, but um, <laughs> Spencer and Kim's songs have... A, a lot of connections and crossovers. So I'm going to start with my random ass song that doesn't really have anything to do. I, I don't well, you picked this two. song off of my short list, so, so I'm very I grateful that ask, you did that. I was going to ask you why. So the song that I chose is Goodbye Says It All by Black Hawk. Why was this on your short list? Um, I don't know. Cause it's, you just that, wanted to talk about Black Hawk. Yeah, I, I guess. I don't okay. really have a lot to talk about about Black Hawk. I just like this song. It's great. It it's is a, great. It's an anthem and it's ridiculous. And then we watched the video for it this week. Which is even better. And it's more ridiculous and very confusing. 
It's confusing so, for you. Yes, it's confusing for yeah. me. So I opted to co-opt this one as my own because I remembered back to the second episode that we recorded with BJ Barham where he referenced Blackhawk and I did not remember them in that moment. And I was like, oh, I don't remember those guys. And Spencer and BJ were both like, oh, what's wrong with you? <laughs> um, and then I went back and I listened to their stuff and I remembered it and I love it. And one of the things that I like about Blackhawk compared to some other 90s country musicians is their super tight harmonies because that's so not 90s country mm-hmm. in general, but they do a great job with it. And so I was cool with that pick, Spencer. So well, thank you. Thanks for putting that on your short list. But just some uh, Wikipedia statistics about it. <laughs> it was released in October of 93 as a first single on their debut self-titled album. It was co-written by Charlie Black, who is married to Dana Hunt, who wrote George Strait's Check Yes or No, oh, and was, write this down. Check Yes or No is another song on my short list. I didn't even oh, yeah, that, so, you know. missed that one. So it's Charlie Black and Johnny McRae, and Johnny McRae wrote Dixie Chicks, Tonight the Heartache's on Me, and we talked about Dixie Chicks a lot. And um, yeah, some Conway Twitty stuff. Yes, Johnny McRae did some Conway yeah. Twitty stuff. But so the music video that Spencer is so confused about takes place on a trashed houseboat because this guy is a jerk. Okay, well, first of all, I should say, like, again, I've said this a lot of times. I didn't have CMT, TNN, whatever. I never watched this video. I've never saw this video until this week. Okay, so in my head, I just pictured a lot of different things. I'm not going to read all the lyrics, but he talks about, like, that he's sneaking in the back door. And he doesn't literally say that, but he says there's another back door sneaking in where you've been midnight. So implies that yeah. every light in the house is on and then all this other stuff and says big red goodbye lipstick and lipstick on the wall. And I'm imagining like the wood paneling that, you know, was in every mm-hmm. home in the yes. 80s and 90s, like oh, yeah. just red lipstick goodbye across that. Like th- there's a whole scene I'm imagining with this and then it's on a fucking houseboat. Where goodbye is written in like size forty eight font on the side of the houseboat. He walks by it the first time and then walks back by. I was like, "Huh, goodbye." Okay, interesting. Like I'm imagining like you like the lights are on and you just see goodbye huge fucking letters like in some like horror movie almost. But. Yeah, I get that. And I will say, whenever I watched the video, I thought at first that the goodbye was the boat name because you know how on boats they write like. It also looked like it was written by, like, a 12-year-old on the side of his boat. Have you ever tried to write anything in lipstick on a wall, Spencer? Not not on the side of a boat. (laughs) Uh, On the side of wood paneling walls, yes, but not on the side of the boat. So, you know, he went there. Well, I don't know. Maybe they they decided to do the houseboat thing because it was cheaper than renting a house. Okay, but then in the chorus, it's like... I think you're overthinking this, Spencer. (laughs) Yeah, again, welcome to my life. There's no long explanation, no reconciliation, no let's talk over all that stuff. There's no anything else, just the goodbye says it all. But then she leaves a fucking video where she's like talking and trashing his shit and all that, which mm-hmm. again is not just goodbye. There's a whole fucking videotape left for you there, so I'm pretty sure you're getting some kind of like explanation of what's going on here. I will just want to interject with someone who I'm like, Mom, Dad, let's talk about this fight that we're having. That, that's really why you're here. Whenever Listen. whenever Rachel introduces someone as a special guest, she means yeah. like the intermediary. The therapist. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's what we're talking about. The mediator. 
Well, first of all, all the 90s movies or videos that I've seen make literally the least sense of any music video I've ever seen. I mean, all the, just outside of country, like, the Breeders videos are just them playing and stepping on the couch and there's a picture of, like, a daisy. (laughs) Like, it doesn't make any sense. So that's just, like, step one. And then maybe it's ironic, you know? Goodbye says it all. Like, no, you had to keep talking. Yeah. You know? That'd be a... That could, I like that. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just, You're a great therapist. I was just like, let's just, we can meet let's on both. Let's be friends. Let's all just meet in the middle. No, keep fine. That was interesting. We can talk about it. Well, I will say, so the guy who directed this video, his name is Marius Pinsner. I, don't, I don't Yeah, I was wondering I'm why you've been trying to bring up his name. Cool I was like, good luck with that one. <laughs> yeah. But the reason I wanted to put it out is because he also d- directed a 1982 film called I was a zombie for the FBI. Oh. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know that he is like a premier director and maybe things just got lost in translation whenever he decided to put this video together. I don't know. Slash, I'm going to put that movie on my list. Like, yeah. Right yeah. I was about to say, that's so the most we, interesting part of this. Is, I was a zombie for the FBI. Look it up. I didn't, I didn't have a chance to watch it. Maybe we can get it at the Carolina or something. For a right movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's where the rest of this the rest of this podcast is now us this watching this and coming on. <laughs> okay, so we don't like the video, sorry. I I don't not like the video. I you just, just don't like that it doesn't make sense. It's kind of like a storytelling video, like as opposed to some of those abstract nineties ones where you're like, What the fuck is happening in this ever? I mm. feel like it's telling a story, but it's just telling a different story, a different story than the song. Than what the song led me to believe. Okay. Well, how about this? Let's let our listeners listen to the song and then they can decide for themselves what they think it says. Just a big red goodbye and lipstick on the wall. Goodbye says it all. No long explanation. No reconciliation. No let's talk it over number I can call. Goodbye says it all. So we were watching the video while we were listening to the song, and Rachel was getting distracted by. Yeah, well, the Kim Kim Ignat agreed with me. We both think that Dave Robbins on the keys <laughs> is quite good looking. He was definitely trying to become the leader of that band. He That's was trying okay. to do it like a little bit extra in the background. Is he the one that goes goodbye? <laughs> Probably so, actually. <laughs> It's like he's probably the one who had the idea of like getting that Blackhawk life preserver and throwing that up for a little more name recognition in there. There's another song of theirs in the video, the keyboard player doing the exact same thing, but instead of it being a little electronic keyboard, it's a full grand, but he's still standing and like. Um, Wait, it's like a piano? In, like, rush yeah. position? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Whoa. It's wonderful. I mean, this band reminds me a lot of, like, Steely Dan, like, mm-hmm. with their, like, you were saying, 70s yeah. harmonies or, like, really tight harmonies. Yeah. yeah. It sounds, to me, like a band that play, like, 80s power ballads meets, like, 90s country. Yeah. Which is funny, because, like, in the CMT review of the album, like, a pool quote that was used on Wikipedia was that they unleashed an electrifying three-part harmony with a luring grunge edge. I do not hear any hear grunge, grunge in this band <laughs> at all. I mean, it was like 94, so I guess they are like, grunge is a thing. That's what the kids like uh, these days. So we're just going to name drop that. So I mm. guess there's that, but 
Uh, Maybe it's the flannel they're wearing, because that's very possible. <laughs> Even though with other singles from this album, I don't know how they're hitting on grunge, but... The keyboard player just takes out his keeper and slings blood all over the place. <laughs> yeah, like, that that must have been on the follow-up video. Oh, I didn't yeah. watch, I didn't watch <laughs> I any other videos from this album one. cycle, but probably that. Oh, uh, the only <laughs> other tidbit I have about Black Hawk was that its name was inspired by a car. The Stutz Blackhawk, which is looks like something that is not actually a, a car. It's like well, it's one of those. It's like a futuristic mm-hmm. looking type like of thing. Never got actually made. Or yeah, something. like that. Oh yeah. I mean, it's kind of cool. I would drive it. Okay, I think that we've spent all we can do on Blackhawk at this point. Yeah, we'll come back to them. They got some other jams. Yeah. That will hit. Oh really? <laughs> every yeah. once in a while. Every once in a oh, while is a good once one. In a while. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Well, okay, how about this as a transition? So the Black Hawk music video is really great. I also really love... This isn't good. <laughs> the... Wait, we just can't, we just start that again. Well, that's not as bad. That's not as bad as so Spencer... I like movies. <laughs> that's not as bad as Spencer's transition being like, well, another song that came out in the 90s. Another song. Well, we can talk about like pop music, like Black Hawk and like... Well, I was uh... going to say Chelly Wright's uh, Sing a White Female. Now, that music video is pretty fun. Wait, is it Shelly? I thought it was Shelly. I don't know. I thought it was Shelly. I think it probably is. Single White Female was the song I picked, which was from her, the title track from her 99 album, her first and only number one song, and definitely sounds like it came out in 1999. Mm-hmm. Definitely looks like music video was. It came out in 1999. To me, both the song and the video were like, all right, if we can take 90s rom-coms and put them into like a three and a half minute mm-hmm. song slash video, what do we do? And then Sing White Female happened. Yeah. I think that the thing that gives it away that it's a late 90s music video is the the lipstick on, mm. it's on like, the wall. No, no, no. Is no. it bright red? No, it's this. It's frosted. It's frosted lips on the girl that's riding the bus, and frosty lipstick on Shelly. It's just with the bright blue eyeshadow, and the outfits that look like they came from Delia's, like mm-hmm. like full like, country 90s, rock, yeah, situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, it kind of it also has that kind of Dixie Chicks look where they don't look country at all. It mm. looks like look. I mean, just look at the still for the yeah, that's the true. bright blue, the bright blue eyeshadow and the colors and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's post Dixie Chicks. It's right after the Dixie mm-hmm. Chicks, or a year or two after they mm-hmm. were broke out. Definitely has the pop crossover thing mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. Do you want to go ahead and listen to a bit of it sure. now? Sure. I've been trying to catch your eye, but I'm so shy. I'm hoping and praying that. Today's edition is gonna catch your attention So that whole video is a great way to spend your three minutes. Um, <laughs> it has the whole, like like I was saying with the rom-com thing, like within the first, you know, 2% of it, being like, oh, there's a look, that's the guy. 
That's, that's the guy. That's the one who the rest of this will be about. This actress who plays a single white female who we haven't been able to peg who it is, but definitely seems like someone who's had like bit parts on shitty 90s sitcoms. Yeah, absolutely. So, Maybe other videos too. I mean, that's how Aerosmith did it, you know? Oh yeah. True. That's Just true. the same women. When can true. you, you mentioned how like the editing around the edges or whatever was very like 90s and I looked up to see who the video director was. Another guy with kind of a weird name, <laughs> Deaton Flanagan. Mm. He also directed Martina McBride's Independence Day video, which I thought was really cool. Oh, yeah. But then on his same list of stuff is Big and Rich's Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy. So I guess he's just going for the big money shots and not necessarily quality of songs that he likes to do music videos I would have assumed, too, that he like did like a whole video or something. Mm-hmm. Like They all look exactly yeah. oh, the yeah. same. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The colors. The vignette. Yeah, like this seemed like it should have just shown up in the middle of like MTV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. TRL or something. It kind of reminded me, and we haven't talked about this band yet, but it was is around the same time. It reminds me a lot of the music videos for Shadaisy. <laughs> wow, I just found out who they were. Oh, and I really? was like, of course they're a queer band. Yeah. <laughs> like, but they, are they? No, they they're right? sisters. Yeah. I think one of them might be gay, but I don't remember. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But no, it's there. Like, hey, we're a queer band. I was like, this is a bunch of amazing, like, trans people. They're just she daisy, you know. No. But it's she daisy. It's she daisy. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're Mormon. Yeah. Pretty sure. I don't we know. had it done. We had. I don't yeah. know when you told me about. I know. Them, I, I mentioned them I thought as you a made possible them up. song. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you made them up. But you mentioned this while we were watching the video that Trisha Yearwood sings harmonies, which. But I don't think it's in the video. She's not in the video, but I think it's really interesting. It kind of reminded me of, like, the Rockwell Michael Jackson situation, where it's like, why do you have this big-name, amazing singer singing backups on your one-hit wonder? Did you look I, into I why? I didn't like, find how the story Trisha of, got, like, got yeah, linked up with that? Why she was on there, and then also, like, why then she was kind of buried. It wasn't featuring Trisha Yearwood anywhere, or mm. she wasn't in the video mm-hmm. or anything like that. And I feel like... I guess in the late 90s, it was a little bit different, but it's not like it was as easy as it is now to like dig up and like, oh, Trish Yearwood was background vocals on mm-hmm. this. It was just, you heard it on the radio or saw the video or whatever, and right. that's what you knew about the song. And so if you didn't somehow like look at the album credits or whatever it was... You wouldn't realize Pushed it out, you know, you didn't... I you just didn't know because I read the Wikipedia article about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't think it's like a well-known <laughs> thing, but yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if it was just like a label hookup. Right. Like, you know, or like, were they friends? And help yeah. her out, yeah. or there was nothing I really found out about that. Well, you had some interesting information about Shelly, right? That you wanted to talk about? <laughs> Shelly, right? Right? Oh, <laughs> man. Easy, too easy. I'm trying to help you out here, man. Transition. <laughs> you are, Transition. but just, yeah. So I was looking up more of Shelly Wright's story, and I knew like bits of this before, but not. A whole lot, and this all is stemming from Wikipedia stuff or links off of Wikipedia, so may not certainly valid, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So from around the early '90s, well before she was famous, to the mid 2000s, it says '93 to 2004. Uh, it says that she maintained a committed relationship with a woman she described as the love of her life, and that obviously overlapped with her. Uh, recording career and all that they still were in a relationship when her partner married a man and then they both were at points 
involved with men because Shelley Wright was dating or whatever Brad Paisley. And the reason I read it was like she kind of resigned herself to leading this life where she couldn't be out publicly. Mm -hmm. And she was like, well, if I had to be with a guy, this is a guy I could be like really good friends with and get along with. And I could have fun with him and all that kind of stuff. And then later on said, you know, she felt bad about that and all that because she knew it wasn't really going anywhere. But um, but it seemed like she genuinely liked him. It wasn't like, a, oh, I just need somebody to play a part. I mean, I, that's what the impression I got, especially like if From she like, went through this, I mean, and that was in yeah. 2000, like, you know, she was already, you know, on the backside of this one mm-hmm. big hit by then. I don't know. She has an autobiography, which the more bits and pieces I've read pulled from that, I'm more interested in about reading that. But Added to in, the library. Oh, <laughs> in 2007, she came out, or she decided to come out publicly. I think when her autobiography came out in 2010 was when she actually came out. And she mentioned in that that her career took a big hit from that in terms of fans. It did get her some publicity and people mm-hmm. you know, paying attention to her maybe a little bit more at that point but then she said her record sales went directly in half which i don't know there was a lot of interesting stuff going on there to me um you know the most obvious maybe that the song that she's best known for is basically about a single white female Mm -hmm. trying to get with presumably a guy i mean it says it says a one woman man that doesn't want no other right (laughs) yeah so that's interesting. I mean, she didn't write the song. Right. And then, obviously, her whole career as a recording artist um, up to that point was kind of built around this profile that a lot of, like, the late 90s, early 2000s mm-hmm. female country artists, the look they had, those kind of things. You know, not faulting her for any of that, obviously, but just a lot of interesting stuff mm-hmm. going on there. And then we were talking before we started recording. Like, Kim's, you, like you do. <laughs> like, like we do. Kim's got a record that is out today, and in the press release I got for it, it was a little bit similar to the main stuff I was hearing when Heather McIntyre's record came out, where it was billing the record, or was really kind of emphasizing the queer country artist aspect of that. And I remember when I was writing some stuff about Heather's album, and kind of looking to see what else had already been written about, and not try to repeat the same stuff. That was kind of the headline for a lot of it was like, queer country artist, queer country album, or whatever it was, or at least like the subhead was like, and this is why you should listen to it kind mm-hmm. of. And I was just curious about your thoughts on your music being kind of positioned that way where that's like at the forefront and what's being put out first. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think to each his own, first of all, like whoever yeah, yeah, wants yeah. to identify however, like this, this idea of coming out of the closet as something that you have to do for political reasons, I think that that's really problematic, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was looking at Shelley Wright's Wikipedia, I was like, oh, I, I think it was like, yeah, other country queer artists like Katie Lang, who is someone else we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And there was like one more person. Uh, I can't even remember who it was. Like the one, the one, the uh, Wikipedia <laughs> was us. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's like RuPaul. It was just one of those like, wow, there really aren't a lot of us out there, no. are there? It mentions Kristen Hill, formerly of Sugarland, in the uh, Shelley Wright article. Yeah. So not to minimize that person's experience, excuse me, (laughs) but I will say that part of my decision to name my record Les Dance, which is one of the queerest things. Yes, okay, so it's hard to avoid with your, with Lionheart, I guess it's a little bit, a little bit easier to kind of miss that maybe with Heather's record. It's not coming out of the closet, it's like literally barreling out of the (laughs) fucking house or whatever, but... 
I think that one of the reasons that we don't have a, I mean, there are a lot of queer people in the world at all times, mm-hmm. right? And in the 90s, there were a lot of queer people. I mean, there are just more people by ways than more yeah. queer people, you know? And um, it was during, like, the AIDS crisis time, and it was during just a lot of attention, negative attention on queer and gay people. And I think that there were a lot of queer people, but not a lot of out queer people in country music especially. That That's why we don't have a lot of 90s queer artists. Like, they were queer, people were queer, but they just weren't out, right? Yeah. And I think it's that's the whole argument about coming out, right, is that it's really brave to do it one, because your career could tank, but two, because you're not just doing it for you. Right. If you can do it, you're doing it for a lot of mm-hmm. other people. And I think that one reason that I was like, yeah, let's dance, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> like, And then, like, uh, you know, my whole record has pictures of, like, queer sex in it. Like, that's the cover and that's the inside and, you know, whatever. And it's about gender and it's all that stuff. But, like, making space. Like, coming out is about making space, too. So it's like... I don't want to be normalized. I don't want to be, like, put into a normative category. I don't want to just be country. I want to be queer country, mm-hmm. you know? And part of that is so that other people can be like, oh, yeah, you do exist, you know? And it's like, oh, hey, look at it, you know? It doesn't feel like boxing me in. And I know that a lot of artists, it does, like the Butchies, like all these other people that have come before yeah. us have, like, done a lot of this mm-hmm. good work, too. But, yeah, so that's the reason I think identifying as queer and, like, labeling yourself as that is really important. I'm not sure why Heather does that but i'm sure i'm gonna talk to her about it and just yeah. love it you know she's gonna play our release which is really cool oh sweet yeah but it's a secret <laughs> well so, since this is coming out the day before is it a secret until the actual it's day it's a secret up? except for not on this podcast okay well this podcast has a secret nice spoilers secrets yeah and i haven't gotten uh heather's take on that either for me, as someone who has not been in that position to have to figure out how to identify it, it's interesting to think of, are there people that wouldn't listen to it alone? Oh, I know there are people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. There, uh. yeah. <laughs> there are people that, that would not listen to a Lone Lands record or H.C. McIntyre record knowing that yeah. going in, which is unfortunate to me because... Part of it to me is I'm you know kind of curious if someone listens to like a Heather McIntyre record and then kind of finds us out on the back end that maybe would have been resistant to listening to that. Does that like open up some like thinking in their mind or like some more empathy or whatever it is that like maybe you know makes them understand or start thinking from For other sure. perspectives? Yeah. Not that it's her job or your job to make a record to help straight people figure out that there's like, you know. Right. Well, I mean, one of the things is I think it's who are you doing this for? Right. And right. who are you creating yeah. art for? Right. And that's a really like big question. I think, especially if you're not like Shelly Wright or if you're not like <laughs> making, you're, you know, like I'm not, Heather might, Heather's brilliant, <laughs> but like, we're not going to like skyrocket into Bonnie Raitt famedom like yeah. tomorrow or whatever. And so it's like, and even if we were, like, I hope that my politics would align to, like, the fact where I'd be like, this is for, this music is for queer people. Right. Yeah. You know, they need a space, too, because there's plenty of space for straight people to be comfortable in their right, right, country right. music listening. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just exclusive to queer folks, folks of color. Like, there aren't mm-hmm. a lot of folks of color that play country music that are, right. like, in the pop world. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you know, I'm just like, okay, so you have your space, 94.7, you have your space, you're <laughs> cool, and then we're just going to create our own space over here since we're not really included mm-hmm. in yours, you yeah. know? And also, I wonder if there's a difference between something like a Lonelyans album called Less Dance that is like very obviously out there versus an artist who is queer 
but their music doesn't really reflect that. Like their mm-hmm. the songs that they're writing, the lyrics are more like quote neutral. So mm-hmm. it's not like as in your face, you know. And and I wonder if the ones that are less in your face, like could could Shelley Wright have still written this song as a gay woman and people not think anything of it, even though she's talking about a man. Like how many other people sing songs that don't have anything to do with who they actually are. You know? Or, like, how many... Yeah, I, th- I think I know what you mean. But how many people just sing songs about who they are, and that's just accepted, so it's not thought about? Right. Right? So it's, like, strawberry wine or whatever. Yes. You know, like, like I had a relationship just like that one. Right. But it was with a babe. <laughs> a girl babe. But, but the thing know? is, like, yeah. you can still... You still take the same messaging away. I mean, you still get the, the point. You know? It's still mm-hmm. the same mm-hmm. experience that you can apply... To your own self. Well, was it, was mean, it Casey Musgraves that was like, if that's what you're into? Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Yeah. She's great. She's to me, I get, like, it's easy to get the same message, but maybe, it, I don't know if it is yeah. necessarily. Like, I don't know. There are a lot of songs written about yeah. straight I, relationships. So, like, yeah, it's easy for me to be like, oh, yeah, I get that. Like, yeah. I can insert myself in that. Right. Or, you know, just, just flip the scenario or whatever. But, I mean, that's what I did all through the 90s, you know? Like, yeah. listening to these you know, really romantic country songs. They sound like a lesbian wrote them. Mm-hmm. I'm just <laughs> and they might have. <laughs> just, yeah, and they might have. You know, they're just like, don't leave me, slow touch me all night. Like, I really feel the queerness in that. Actually, that might be my fucking root, you know? It's just dramatic and beautiful yeah. and is the same, you know? I mean, obviously, all, like, love is this, Love is know, the same. Love is love and all yeah. of that jazz, but it's also, like, uh, I think what, something I thank uh, the world for every day of my life mm-hmm. is is being queer, mm-hmm. um, and in a lot of ways, uh, a privileged queer person that like has allowed me to like talk about like my weird kinky sex or like whatever. Because I'm sure there's some like you know raunchy ass like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know cis straight folks that listen to country music too that right. be like get out your whip you know like, that can be like you know that's save a horse ride a cowboy I you know what that, I mean yeah that's part of that genre yeah and like I just feel sorry for those people you can't just talk about their like also weird sexuality I mean it's just a normative right a normative genre and Shelly Wright like you know, busted through in 2007 mm-hmm. too. Like that's so late yeah. to come out. Well, and that's why I thought her saying that, I mean, and I don't know enough about her. I don't want to be judgmental about her career and I don't want to doubt what she's saying about her career being impacted by her coming out. But the fact that she just had this one song, it kind of makes me wonder, was that the driver of you not being successful or I don't know. Yeah, that I kinda, seems really judgy for me. I kind of wonder, but. like that was why I was having a hard time. Like, how do you judge the impact that announcement had on album sales? Mm-hmm. I can see maybe showing up more, like touring. Like, I'm yeah. sure she got a lot more, and she mentions getting a lot more like messages. I think she said mail, but it was email or Facebook Twitter messages probably, or whatever. Are um, and I'm sure Twitter. people being you know assholes at like the state fairs and stuff she was playing yeah so maybe it more made an impact or like was more obvious when because she wasn't big like because i feel like if you're big enough if you come out and you're big enough then you still have enough of a fan base that you're not gonna Mm. see i mean think about like when ellen came out right like the show 
was like pretty big, but then, and I didn't realize this until I kind of recently, and I'm probably still not getting 100% right. Like, I think it was like a year ish mm-hmm. later, the sitcom kind of died off yeah. because, I mean, like, it had peaked. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and so then I think she had to kind of like recover from that somewhat. And I mean, she had, was pretty big. Obviously, now she's like even bigger. She's like yeah. huge now. Well, now who is she, who is she working for? Like, who is she? She's working for herself. herself. Yeah, and, yeah. And what is she promoting? Like, herself. Right, right. Image. And I think that is like, I mean, this is maybe like Pisces esoteric. <laughs> Let's smoke some weed right now. But I think like, as someone who's not famous... I think that to get famous and to like keep your fans or to whatever, like being as yourself as possible mm-hmm. while still, while still, I mean, you market yourself for sure, but like Shelly Wright's gonna lose her like, you know, fucking homo hating right. audience. Right. And okay. You cool. know what I mean? Like that's, but I mean, sure. Good for and her, better off that those assholes on Dr. Yeah, well, if you look at Katie Lang now... Yeah. Transition. transition. So that would have been so smooth. I was going to... I just like calling as much attention as possible to (laughs) I was going to use the Ellen comment as a transition... Because Katie Lang was in that episode, was in the coming out. No, episode. shut up. Really? Yeah. It was Oprah. Do you know Oprah yeah. was our therapist? Yeah. Ugh, such a babe cast. Put me in. Damn, I didn't know any Put of this. Put me in coach. <laughs> well, whichever, well, choose your own adventure, the transition okay. there. But we're with Katie Lang <laughs> Katie now. Katie Lang now. Hard cut. Well, Katie Lang came out in 1993. Like, first of all, Katie Lang was maybe always out like this this fool like like straight up was like I'm queer I wear male clothes I'm not just androgynous but came out in 1993 after Constant Craving which is the song that we're going to talk about but like publicly was like hey guess what if you didn't know I'm a gay sexual and like was just like all over the place. Gay, gay, gay. Gay, mm-hmm. gay, gay, gay. And, like, Nashville still accepted her. That's what... Yeah. The thing that I... A lot that I read about her was, like, her album sales didn't really struggle at all mm-hmm. until she started this, like, what's it called? No Meat campaign? Yeah, <laughs> I read that. So it was Meat Stinks. Meat Stinks campaign. They were like, okay, you're gay, you have sex with women, that... Uh, that's well, that's cool. Or, like, I don't even want to talk about it, but don't fuck with our cows, you know? <laughs> But yeah, yeah. always say, always presented, and this is the thing that sh- that she says mm-hmm. as queer and like masculine of center, mm-hmm. and was like, "This is my image. If you don't like it, right, suck it." Which might be a very different, like, which might be the key in this transition of people coming out or not coming out is that she was like, "This is who I am. This is what I'm presenting," and Shelley Wright was like, "I want to fit into your, you know, cis straight country world yeah. or whatever." Yeah, just a thought. Yeah, I don't know a ton about Katie Lang's career, and I didn't really think of her as a country artist when this was first coming up, because Constant Craving, I remember that song, I'm not like super familiar with it, but to me it's like a pop adult contemporary song of the 90s that fits in a lot of the other 90s songs mm-hmm. to me that well, just kind of like blend together and things that... Yeah, and it came out in 94, is that right? came out in 92, I 92, think. 92, right? sorry. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of, I was a little like, I don't know if Katie Lang's country either, but I'd always heard of her as a country mm-hmm. artist, and yeah. I've always been like, I heard of her winning some country Grammys, or I didn't know that she'd sang with Dwight Yoakam, which is maybe my favorite combo of anyone ever, <laughs> two just really queer-seeming people <laughs> together. But yeah, apparently all her records were before this one in yeah. Genu. Is that? Do you think that's how you say? It? I don't know. That, that is French. That sounds right. But there was and there was another one before that. Shadowland was the debut album. No, that's not the one that I was thinking of. 
that one had a song I'm looking at now um, that Kitty Wells, Loretta Lynn, and Brenda Lee that, sang on yeah. with her uh, medley, which Honky Tonk Angels it medley, is which was so country. So like now, I, I'm really curious about exploring. I mean, there's like a Roger Miller cover on there. Like if you look at any of the stuff on that album yeah. and like the credits, like steel guitar, fiddle, all this stuff, it's like. Oh, yeah, that's a country album. Shadowland was also produced by Owen somebody. Bradley. Yeah, Owen Bradley, who did a lot of other... He did, he did Chad Atkins, pa- Bob Ferguson, like... A lot of Patsy Cline stuff. A lot of Patsy Cline stuff, which Katie Lang was, like, super into and apparently was her route of, like, playing out in music during a cover band called The Recliners, <laughs> which is <laughs> such a great yeah. name. Was it... Katie Lang and the Reclines, or is it just oh, the Reclines? I saw it referenced both ways. I don't know why I can't find this freaking album that I'm trying to think of, but she did have one called Absolute Torch and Twang, which, I mean, any album that has the word twang in it... 1989 with the Reclines? Um, yeah, has to be a country album, right? I mean, she grew up in the prairie lands of Alberta, and she was like, mm-hmm. that's as country as you can get. When she came out, they still played her records... Like, radio stations still played her records. And then it was seriously was with this meat stink situation that 30 uh, radio stations in Alberta were like, we're not going to play your music anymore. <laughs> like, they just stopped. And it wasn't about being gay, you know? It was about meat. Or maybe it was about both. Who knows? Well, maybe they used that as a, as a justification of like, okay, yeah, we weren't really cool with this. But now that you're not eating meat. <laughs> yeah, and you're telling everybody else not to. But radio stations in Canada and in the U.S., especially, like, where there's a lot of cattle stuff happening in the U.S., boycotted playing her songs, and a sign in Alberta that said, Home of Katie Lang, got burned to the ground. <laughs> oh, good God. <laughs> Holy shit. That's so dumb. I mean, if you think about it, that's coming out in country music right that there. It is, yeah. You know? Coming out against cattle. Yeah. There was an article referenced in 1993 where she was on the cover of Vanity Fair where she said the thing about, like, Nashville didn't really react one way or the other when she came out as gay or lesbian, but whenever she did a campaign where she was on a commercial for PETA, uh huh, that's when they were like, "Yeah, now we don't like you." God, it's <laughs> so interesting. But I, I do wonder if the whole, you know, the way that she always presented herself, since she always presented a little bit masculine, masculine, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I do think maybe like coming out. I think. It's so interesting to, like, because we all think that we know what's going on, right? We're like, okay, cool. Well, let's analyze the situation. And it has to be about gay, because country people and gay don't go together. Right. Which is totally untrue. Right. Um, and has been forever. And if you zoom out, like, pop and gay don't go together. Like, mainstream and gay don't go together. Mm-hmm. And that's been, like, the case forever, right? So yeah. it's not just country. I feel like, as a Southerner... You know, I, I'll just get pissed. I'm like, there's so many gay country people in the world. Like, it's yeah. not just, like, country isn't Bible Belt either. Right. Like, that's not necessarily what's we, We've talked about that a lot, about how country is not just in the South, that it is know. more has to do with rural, small town, wherever you are. Yeah. Be it in Alberta, Canada, or in And I was North watching Carolina. a lot of Letterkenny last night, and it made me think of that, because we've been talking about, I don't know if y'all have seen that it's a Hulu show that's Canadian. They got the rights, and it's just like very country, but Canadian country. Canadian. It's like it could be any rural U.S. place, but they just have Canadian accents and have these Canadian yeah. phrases. So if there's just, more cows than people, that counts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're all wearing boots and you know yeah. trucks and all that. Yeah, I mean lavender country is from uh, Seattle. It's from the Northwest. They're yeah, from the Northwest, yeah. and their country is fucked too. You know, yeah. like so um, the transition we missed. 
from oh, the rom-coms of Shelley Wright and to Katie Lang. Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. Oh, yeah. But apparently Katie Lang did the soundtrack, too. Pretty much all the songs on that soundtrack were from her. Yeah. yeah. I just read, like, the first line of the Wikipedia description, and there's a lot going on there. It has Have you read that book? in it, right? I, I don't know anything about... Like, it's a Tom Robbins book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. it is like this like it's not overtly queer or gay, but I mean it's strong, powerful woman, mm-hmm. big fingers on her hands. <laughs> like there's some stuff going on that's like hmm, gay. Well, I like this first line of the plot synopsis is the film is a transgressive romp covering topics from homosexuality and free love to drug use and political rebellion to animal rights and body odor and religion. So they just drop that's, body odor in there. It's yeah. like this is like the same level of Trope. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that makes sense that Katie Lang would do the soundtrack for this one, though. Right? Yeah, that, no, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was yeah. like, wait, does she play someone in mm. here? One of the things that I really love, like, doing a deep dive and discovering more about Katie Lang is, like, how diverse her career has been. Like, she has been kind of a stereotypical country singer in the late 80s. And then she went pop. Mm-hmm. But then she did this whole soundtrack thing. She also covered Skylark for the soundtrack of Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, which we brought up on Allison Hussey's episode, because we loved that. And then she did, like, a tour with Tony Bennett, and I think got a Grammy nomination for that. Like, she's just yeah. done fucking everything. Roy Orbison? Like, yeah. right, like two years before Roy Orbison died, got to do a duet with him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she's just been all over the place, and I think that it speaks mostly to... I think her vocal quality, she just has such a beautiful voice that I think that she can do everything. And it was really interesting doing a deep dive to prepare for this. So thanks for picking. Yeah, no, I'm really excited. I might do something about her on my radio show next to you. Cool. It's going to be really cool. But yeah, she's very interesting. And it's, I was just thinking while you were talking, I was like, She's extremely talented. She's always been like, I'm gay and like, I'm Buddhist and like, don't eat me. Like, she's always like had her three political struggles that are just to the forefront. Mm -hmm. And the continuity of that is just such an interesting thing to me that she's just very much herself. Yeah, she's true to herself. at least in the way that she presents the media. Like, I feel like I, I know Katie Lane. Right. You know, like, I know who friend. that is, you know? <laughs> and it's allowed her to, she did a jazz record. Like, yeah. it's allowed her to do so much stuff and still really be successful. Cool yeah. yeah. I'm always impressed when someone that much in the public eye just seems to me, who knows what's really going on inside, seems to me just be like being themselves, doing the things they want to do, not really... Again, to my eye, who knows what's really going on inside, but seeming like sacrifice a lot of like who they are to like get ahead or to like, yeah. do, you know, they're kind of choosing to do the projects they want to do, making the stances they want to make. And it just is all kind of working it's for them. Out. Yeah, they don't play into a brand. That right, right, right. Fit them, or it doesn't. See, I mean, either they do it really well, and right, we can't right. fucking tell. Yeah, yeah. Or they don't do it. You know, she just had a record with Nico Case and Laura Beers, mm-hmm. which is awesome that record is so good and it's like soft rock you know it's like contemporary soft rock but yeah. it's it's also like getting a lot of play and like mm-hmm. you know skyrocketing on the charts so you know every four years she does something like she that she does something cool speaking of play we should probably play this song oh, oh yeah. god we haven't listened to it yet have yeah. we <laughs> the video is so sick this video also based off of waiting for Godot oh my god it's so right. good here's the song
This video also won um, like best female music video of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, from and some MTV award or whatever, and I don't know why. <laughs> like yes. the concept is kind of killer. It's like waiting for Udo is a play right. about like waiting and waiting and mm-hmm. waiting and then deciding that you're going to kill yourself if you don't stop waiting, which is also very like constant craving. Yes. You know, and this is pre Kaylin coming out. So, but again, I'm like looking at her and, and I don't remember her ever coming out. I remember just looking at her and being like, Oh, gay, she's gay. 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 <laughs> you know? Um, gay face. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of really dramatically shot from like a cinematography perspective. I can see how it was impressive. Yeah. Yeah. For the 90s, for sure. For the 90s. And it's weird. It's like a very weird, like, and that's a, also a pop crossover, right? That's not a mm-hmm. country. That no. is not a country. Well, in this, she, she was nominated and won a pop Grammy uh-huh. for this, right? Yes. So this was like her first foray into pop and she won a fucking that was her red yeah yeah (laughs) that's exactly what that was i do remember seeing this video and loving that striped shirt really yeah yeah i'm so glad that she exists that she exists without a doubt i mean i'm also excited for her to ask me to go on tour with her so Mm. if anyone's out there she's definitely going to hear this podcast and call you well i'll send it immediately to her yeah Yeah. does she tour still yeah she's touring with nico case and laura beers right now and my friend's friend listen to me Mm -hmm. my friend's friend's friend friend of a friend no this person claude who created cruising records which is the record label that i'm on Mm -hmm. which is gay as hell we got matching tattoos that say constant craving yes and clyde's friend is the drummer on this particular tour Okay. So we're waiting until they're nice and healed up, and then we're just going to be like, is this an appropriate way to submit for the next tour? (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell that we are committed? (laughs) Should we be committed? (laughs) Well, I'm looking at her tour dates, and what she has on her website is mostly stuff across the pond. Yeah, which I gladly do, too. So what about this song in particular led you to pick it as your Katie Lang song? Uh, good question. I think it is an earworm. So I think mm-hmm. it just got in my yeah. ear. Mm-hmm. Just came off this tour that we called the Constant Craving Tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and got matching Constant Craving tattoos with a banner wrapped around an upside down pink triangle. So <laughs> that's one thing. Well, also, and, and you also pitched, which you already mentioned earlier, you pitched Sin City with her and Dwight Yoakam. Which I shut down because it technically yeah. is not. Like, and the, tore that I'm one up. Sorry. <laughs> well, we can talk about it if you want to. It just can't be your official song. Okay, cool. This yeah. Is, I'm glad there are boundaries here. Yes. I love boundaries. Yeah. I work well with <laughs> You keep it flexible. <laughs> well, also, I've been thinking a lot about queer elders. I just feel like as a country artist, as like a folk and country artist, it's always been hard for me to identify as country and folk. Mm-hmm. Because I don't have anyone that has shown me, like, non-binary or any of these identities that I have, uh, you know, gathered among along the years of being a little queer. But then I met, like, Lavender Country. I met mm-hmm. those guys. And I was like, oh, my God, thank you for existing. And as soon as I met them and talked with them, I was like, damn, y'all, we've been around forever. And yeah. then... I got obsessed with Katie Lang because I was like, who's the gayest person I know in music? And I was like, Katie mm-hmm. Lang. Mm-hmm. And then I found out that she was a country musician like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. 
And I was like, damn, you know, we've she been around for a long time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was there all along. She was there all along and was obsessed with Patsy Cline, which I thought was just mm-hmm. like made so much sense with her voice, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. This song in particular, I think, majorly because it was in the 90s and had to fit yeah. into this podcast, <laughs> slide into this podcast DMs. Follow the rules. Yeah, as much as I possibly could. But also, it's her it's her biggest hit, and it's her, mm-hmm. you know, it sounds a lot, to me, like a lot of other pop country on the radio. Like, it sounds like an androgynous song in terms of genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And genre, genre-less. <laughs> I don't know. That's gonna work. And genreless. Okay. You know, you can. You, we make words up you a lot. Figure out how to spell that. Yeah. You talk about it. Yeah. Figure out how to spell that. Um, but yeah, I think country and pop can be interchangeable mm-hmm. with a lot of their like, especially when you're like at a certain level of fame, you know, mm-hmm. and like popularity for country songs. So yeah, I mean, I could I, just hearing this song. I don't know. Could you consider it a country song? Just hearing it, or well, so we we talked about this on a previous episode where we were talking about Winona Judd. Ugh, babe, I know, and you also suggested her, which we I shut down. I, got because so shut I know, down. but we for, heard for the listeners already, who are out there, you won't have heard this episode yet. You won't have heard this episode. It's, it's coming up. It was the same song that you proposed, and we talked about how the song itself does not sound particularly country, but because Winona is a country musician, it gets pegged that way. But I think that it could be flipped in that even somebody that is pegged as pop or anything else, you can find country roots. Mm-hmm. We're going to fucking bring it up again like we do all the time for the last few months is the Lil Nas X Old Town Road is like... How do you even define what these genres are? Because there's so much crossover. It's, it's so complicated. Like sexuality is, and gender. It's and so fluid and all over the place. It's fluid, almost like that. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> well, but, <laughs> but I think that that's why I enjoy sticking to the rules of the years. Because. You need a box. I need a box. Uh-huh. And so, like, the year box is like, it's got to be 90s because that's what this podcast is. Whereas. It is really difficult to define what is country. Uh-huh. So that's why I was like, sure. I mean, Katie Lang was nominated for country Grammys and won some. Yeah, this is that counts. Interesting point though. Like, I didn't think about. I don't know the rest of this album well at all. But like for Winona, no one else on earth. Just hearing that song to me is not a country song. Mm-hmm. And the same thing for this. Like I just heard it. I was like, nah, nah, I wouldn't call that a country song. But that was like the third single on that Winona solo debut album. And the rest were all very much like in the vein of the Judd's country. Mm-hmm. Winona was already brought up as a country artist. So that was pegged as a country song where I wonder why that didn't happen with this Katie Lang song, because she had already been nominated for even in the Grammys for country and one country awards for some of the stuff she did, like the absolute torch and twang song. And so I wonder if it was just like that album shifted her as a whole. And since this was like the, the album start off as a Katie Lane goes pop kind of thing, maybe made it different where with Winona, it was already on this whole album cycle mm-hmm. of like, it's Winona without her mom. And, you know, then we put out two really judge sounding songs and then no one else on earth that doesn't sound like that at all. So I don't know how that happened. Katie records after this record too are like, I mean, the one after this, it's like, hell of pop I mean it's got like some kind of like is that all you, all you can eat all you can eat the Katie Lang record <laughs> I'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Oh, um, the, ne- the next one's called Drag. And the next one's Drag, and the, like the, album, in, the album cover for Drag is amazing. It's her smoking a cigarette, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. God. Just, so good. Maybe she's just, like, she's leaning. in. But the Drag is, like, the jazzier record. Mm-hmm. So she just kind of, like, you know. She can do it all, But though. then she does some shit with Tony Bennett, too, after that. Yeah. Which, it's like, she's just... She can do it. She can do everything. She really can. Yeah. You know? So the other album that I was trying to think of the name of from 1987 is Angel with a Laureate. And I did listen to that one. And it is very country. Mm-hmm. Have you have you listened? Is that The Reclines, too? It says With The Reclines. With The Reclines. With the reclines. Yeah. I, think that's, I think her first one was Shadowland solo. And then I think that one came yeah. after that, mm-hmm. actually. But she still did it with The Reclines. Yeah. Did it super country. But that one does sound... Very country. And that Angel with the Laureate was, I think, the one that she won country Grammys for. Mm. So she did release a record, Shadowland, which was also kind of country, and then this mm-hmm. one, and mm-hmm. won more country awards mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. Ugh. So see, she's country. It counts. I mean, it's just, I really didn't think about this until right now, but identity politics, like, it's awesome to think right. about that as, like, she's genreless in a lot of ways mm-hmm. as a name. Right. But Per record mm-hmm. is is not per yeah. record. It's very much an identity, right? You know. Yeah. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Cool stuff, Katie. <laughs> thanks, Katie. <laughs> Take me on tour. Thanks, thanks for being interesting. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you see this, say yes. <laughs> Take me on tour. We I need to pick check yes or no after all for this episode. That would have been the closer right mm-hmm. now. Uh-huh. Yeah, Katie, Katie check, check yes, yes or, no. or no. One thing we do agree on is how great Kim is. Yes. And that you should listen to the Lonelands record that is out today, today. because we're definitely recording this on June 7th, the day <laughs> that Les Dance comes out. And tomorrow, what should happen, Kim? There is going to be a big old sad hoedown of solo sad country artists, <laughs> queer country artists, bringing you sad since 1982 at North Star Church. Mm-hmm. Rook Vonnet is going to play. Super secret only information released in this podcast, Heather McIntyre is going to play under the pseudonym Brown Hound. Ooh. Um, ooh. Yeah, ooh. I love the way I that like rhymes. That. <laughs> and then I'll play with my friend Collier and my friend Taylor from Heartscape Landbreak. Nice. Guitar ensemble. And then are the are y'all going to tour this album? Well, we did a really funny thing. <laughs> I mean, I already toured. <laughs> no, but I'm going to tour with Katie Lang, and then when I'm not touring with <laughs> Katie course. Lang, I'm going to tour with Nico Case. And when I'm not touring with Nico Case, um, I'm going to do some fall tour out west. Cool. So, yeah. We do have some listeners outside of, like, North Carolina. No. So, uh, yeah, a few. Yeah, we don't know. Uh, we have listeners. We don't know why. Hey, John. Hey, Jane. Hey. <laughs> we don't know why or how. We'll name them all real quick. Yeah. But we do have some people that listen to us not close by, so... We like to shout out any opportunities for people to go see our friends on tour. Well, check out Cruisin' Records, which is a new queer label in Seattle and New Orleans that's putting out a lot of explicitly queer and not music mm-hmm. and cool. folk and country, too. So Nice. Yeah. Check it out. Check cool. it yep. out. Yep. And wherever you are, still listen to the album. I have listened to it a couple times through already and definitely really different from the first Lonelands oh yeah record yeah a lot more sparse and went down <laughs> I went in my room and closed the door <laughs> it was definitely scary it's to do something just by myself but I've had bands my entire life mm-hmm. and I think it was pretty validating for me to like have someone be like I want you to do this we're gonna put it out let's do it and I was like oh no I don't want to 
And then I was like, mm-hmm. okay, fine, 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 fine. And then I was like, I'm having the best time. Let's take everything off and let me just sing. Yeah. <laughs> That's know? awesome. So it's a pretty cool process. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Is that how you're mostly going to tour this as solo? I'll tour this one solo, but as far as I know, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but Lil Lens <laughs> is going to make another record this fall. Cool. Nice. With a full band, yeah. And do you think it'll be back to the sound of the first album, or are you still going down this fun Sad path? bastard yeah. thing. <laughs> trying to think of a nice way to say it. <laughs> no, it's awesome. I love this whole tour that we just did. I was like... Hey, I'm Lomelands. I'm about to make you want to cry. So sit down. <laughs> <laughs> just, just the best. Lean it in, you know? I don't know. I think I'm going to Katie Lang it, you know? Nice. I think I'm just going to see what happens with whatever songs mm-hmm. are written and do I what like I it. want to do because I want to do it. Well, I mean, if you're going to be touring with her, that would make sense for y'all yeah. to have that similar yeah. sound. I, I was going to ask her if she wanted to sing back up, you know? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe I'll just call the song Katie Lang. <laughs> and you can put that in your jazz record in the fall. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I think that you definitely need to write a song called Katie Lane. Called Katie Lane, without a doubt. Yeah. That's a great idea. (laughs) All right, well, by the time you play tomorrow (laughs) at North Star in Durham. You can demo that song tomorrow. Okay, I'll demo it tomorrow. Yeah. I will not demo (laughs) it Well, we just just learned, this will be aired in a future episode, that Chattahoochee was written and demoed in, like, basically 24 hours, and I, like, sound-checked it with the band and played it that night, so... It's a masterpiece like Chattahoochee. <laughs> well, is that some Bon Iver like bullshit? <laughs> is that some ribbon? Which he acknowledges is also bullshit. So crossing myself. <laughs> Written in a cabin in the woods. <laughs> yeah, um, it could be, but you know. Yeah. I don't know if they put that much thought behind it with Alan Jackson's. Right, that's <laughs> true. Songs, Not know. as much. I don't, I don't know. Chattahoochee's a pretty deep song. Yeah, that's true. No. Not at all. Chattahoochee is a pretty deep song, said no one ever. <laughs> hey, we Is do... it, though? Is it? Well, he... <laughs> Bo thinks so. Bo oh, thinks so. That's Reese. Oh, our next guest oh, is here, so... Thanks for joining us today, Ken. And we'll, we'll talk to y'all later. Bo's freaking out, so we're leaving. Bye. 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 Y'all come out, come out, my dears, to Lavender Country. Y'all come out.